Welcome to the Aron Sports Podcast. Listen in as professional handicappers Frank and Rob break down this week's wagers on a game-by-game basis. It's immoral to let a sucker keep his money. Is there a lot of money to be made in that line of business? Nothing is impossible. You can shear a sheep many times, but skin him only once. Obsession is a young man's guy. This is exactly my point. Take it easy, take it easy. Simple, my paper, not easy. What's all that about? You're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. What I think I meant to say was just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. I'm here to give you a show what it's missing. You guys are crazy. You ready? Ready? Set? Set. One, two, three, go! Hello, it's. October 4th, 2016, Tuesday night. Welcome to the Arone Sports Podcast. Frank Arone here from beautiful Fargo, North Dakota. And uh, up here on a business trip. So we're going to go to Vegas here and give Rob a call here shortly and check in with him. Break down some of the week five lines, but... uh, Coming up later in the podcast, we got a concept corner where we're just going to be kind of going over a general overview of betting terms, almost like a little bit of a, a glossary for for newbies and people that want to get a little bit better understanding of some of the, the terms of the, the betting world and so we don't confuse people on these podcasts here when we start throwing around terms that are, that are unfamiliar. So hopefully it'll give people a little bit better of an understanding. So we'll get to that later in the podcast. And then, uh, of course, at the very end of the podcast, we'll have our AS Pick of the Week coming off a, a 2-0 and sweep last week. So hopefully some people profited out there from that. But uh, before we do that, we'll go game by game here and uh, get Rob on the on the line. So let's head out to Vegas. Rob, how's it going? I'm doing all right. Excited to talk some football. Just got off the, the golf course at Red Rock. The old beauty of a course and scram- scrambling around like I usually do. So ready, uh, ready to talk some football. All right. Well, uh, word through the grapevine was it was your birthday yesterday. Did you uh, cash any winners there on that uh, Vikings-Giants Monday night game for a little birthday present? Well, I think we alluded that last uh, last show, and unfortunately I went, didn't, didn't get any birthday winners, but we did get a Vikings win. But I did uh, put my own personal bet in the on the total on the over, which was a terrible bet, and the, the Giants was a pretty awful bet as well. So it was not uh, not too good of a uh, day from Benny perspective, but at least the Vikings did get a, a W, so I'm, I'm excited about that. All right, well, yeah, I guess that's that's good on some level. Um, how'd you uh, how'd you do overall there in in week four? Yeah, like I said, it was a rough day yesterday with the Monday. I'm kind of shocked by that result, and but you know whatever, that's what, that's what happens. And uh, but overall, it's a decent weekend. Uh, I think my release plays, I went three and two. Got kind of a little. Uh, Screwed there on that Cleveland game. That Cleveland-Washington game was probably the worst beat of all weekend out of any game that shook down with the point spread. Uh, but then I also had a pretty bad bet altogether at that Carolina side. I, I didn't really like that all week after I put it in, just the way the market was shaping up and everything. So just a bad bet on my part, and hopefully just uh, get together here for the weekend and then uh, keep producing winning results. Yeah, no, me, uh, me personally, I think I might have been the most wrong on the most amount of games I've just about ever been in my life, there's three or four games there last weekend where I couldn't have been more wrong. And I was on Carolina there with you. Tampa Bay was just completely lifeless. The Jets was just 
beyond bad, but I ended up ended up sneaking out a slight profit on the week, so I can't complain. But as just, I don't think I've ever been out of games that early before, where you're just like, wow, that was a terrible pick. The Lions was another one. It was, so it was a little rough, hoping to bounce back here a little bit, even though you know it didn't hurt too bad from a overall profitability perspective. It still hurts the ego a little bit when you're just dead wrong there multiple times. But you know yeah. that's that's the the beauty of it. Yeah, and that's with the, the Carolina game too. It's it was obviously never. Never even close, but uh, it's just one of those games where it should have been a step-up spot after getting beat so bad by Minnesota the week before. And uh, Atlanta, it it seemed like they'd be a little overvalued and stuff, but, yeah, it just uh, didn't pan out like that. So I guess that's just where you have to maybe just downgrade Carolina, especially with their quarterback issue now too, and not being able to run the ball. They just have a lot of of issues there, I guess, with that Super Bowl Bowl appearance hangover, I should say. Yep. So that's all you can really do is just move on to the next week, keep uh, keep working, keep keep handicapping, and hopefully, uh, I've, you know, I have no doubt that we'll both uh, get it straightened out here going forward. And if your bad weeks are break even or so, you know, you're not in too bad a shape. So let's yeah. get to the uh, week five games here. Um, started off with a Thursday night tilt between Arizona at San Francisco. You want to say um, quick? Maybe mention those buys. The teams are going on buys. Yeah, absolutely. What? Um, so we got Kansas City. Um, Kansas City is on a buy in New Orleans, Seattle, and uh, of course Jacksonville. So we got four buys this week. Two last week with Philadelphia and Green Bay. Now we got four coming into this week. Um, surprisingly, I think we mentioned this last week on the podcast, but surprisingly, Indianapolis requested for a not to have a buy after the London game, which is the first ever that's happened. Uh, Apparently the organization organization didn't want to buy; they wanted one deeper in the season. So I'm not sure exactly what kind of um, you know power they got inside the NFL clubhouse there, but uh, apparently a, l- a little bit of pull. Yeah, if Pagano maybe can pull some strings, but I don't know if it's necessarily in their best interest. I don't really understand the, yeah. the thought process there, but you know, I, more power to them. Yeah, exactly. I don't get it at all, but yeah, maybe maybe that's why they're uh, not not doing too good this year. So anyway, yeah, now that uh, good to mention those buys there. But uh, so, yeah, to start it off, we got the Thursday night game, uh, Arizona at San Francisco. I'll uh, say my my guess on the line first, and then I'll send it over to you, and you can do your guess, and then uh, what the opener was and the look ahead and all that. So on this one, I guessed uh, my guess was Arizona laying three and a half at San Francisco. What did you have there? Yeah, this one I came in, uh, I guessed Arizona minus three. And from a you know, power rating perspective, how I thought that the game should be, I, uh, right where you had it, I had Arizona minus three and a half is where I think the line should have been. And it looks like uh, the game opened this week, uh, Arizona minus two and a half at Westgate. And uh, from last week, when we look about the week before, uh, Westgate had this line set at uh, Arizona minus five and a half. But you should keep in mind that that's a quarterback change, too, from Right now, Stanton's the one that's listed as in because we're not really sure how Palmer's doing with his uh, concussion protocol. So, yeah, I say even take that opener with a grain of salt because I don't know. There might have been, you know, a little bit more. I guess Stanton's in and it's currently sitting at four. So, if anything, it's weird that it would have gone from two and a half up to four with Stanton being confirmed over Palmer, but. I know it's a little bit of shenanigans going on with that line, so it's kind of whenever there's stuff like that and players coming in and out of the lineup and uncertainty and whatnot, and 
I know I'm, some folks opened this very briefly and then brought it down after the, the Palmer situation was a little, a little bit more uncertain. So definitely take take those openers with a grain of salt. Yeah, definitely. So uh, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts on this game? Um, I mean, uh, I just, I really don't, don't really like San Francisco that much, but in this spot when you're, you know, short week and you got Arizona who obviously is desperate for a win, they've been very underwhelming so far when they had pretty high expectations come into the season. You may expect a good effort from them, but with Stanton at, at the helm laying four on the road definitely doesn't sound too appealing to me, so... To me, it's either take San Francisco or pass the game, and I don't know. As at this moment, I don't really have. I don't think I'll be on San Francisco, and especially we just have you know, over and over again every week. These Thursday night games are just kind of kind of weird. So you never really know totally what to expect. But in a Drew Stanton Blaine Gabbert <laughs> matchup, uh, I just don't really want either part of it so I'll, I'll probably be on the sidelines in this and from a total perspective yeah i don't feel really strongly i think arizona is a slight over team normally but with stand in there i don't know how that's going to necessarily affect it we don't really have much data or you know tape to go off of so to me i'll probably be watching this one unless something drastically changes here throughout the week what about you yeah i'd um kind of a similar stance i'd would probably lean in San Francisco, but I really don't think the stand's a huge downgrade from Palmer. I would say that last year he would have been, but I think he's a pretty serviceable backup uh, from all the ones in general for the league uh, over all the backups. And I think he's he's definitely capable of uh, getting a win here on the road or whatever. But, yeah, talk about laying four with him, I I don't know. I definitely couldn't do it. Um, so, yeah, I'd be either San Francisco or pass, but it's going to be tough to back San Francisco, even though I do like him at home significantly more than on the road. But, yeah, I don't, I don't Especially like you said, the Thursday night game is just something I'm uh, don't think I'm gonna get to the window bo- window on. Yeah, and I think I'm a little bit more down on Stan than you because there's some of those throws last week and just watching him in general, he can be extremely erratic and you know at times he can play above average, I'd say, and then other times he can just be bottom of the barrel. Just how is this guy even in the league bad? So a high variance quarterback like that coming in where you really don't know what to expect. I think it really, really suggests just kind of stay away and, and watch the game. And, you know, maybe if he does play well here for the next couple of games, you know, you don't have a whole lot of trepidation backing him going forward or vice versa. If he's just a complete train wreck, you know, fade him. But I, I don't really know exactly how to take him, but I think one thing you did allude to that, I completely agree with is I think Palmer hasn't been playing nearly as good this year as he did in years past. So I have no problem um, backing Stanton if he is average or better because I don't think he – I think there's a good chance he's not going to be really that much of a downgrade from Palmer in the, the current day. So, yeah, exactly. Okay. So um, going on to the uh, Sunday games – the first one we got of the 1 o'clock starts is Houston at Minnesota. Uh, on this one, I guessed the Vikings by 6. What did you have for that one? This one I had Minnesota by 3. And keep in mind, this is before the Monday night game, obviously, for both of ours, I would assume, so, or at least for yep. mine. And um, 
I, I like I said, I, th- I didn't think the Minnesota was going to show as well as they did on Monday night, so I kind of was trying to play a little, you know, really guess into there. Uh, but so anyway, I, I had Minnesota minus three as my guess, and then my power rating, what I think it should have been, is Minnesota minus two and a half. But obviously that's changed by a couple points now, just from that performance, because that was a pretty good, you know, somewhat of a letdown spot I thought for him last night that I didn't really let down, so that, that was a good sign from a fan perspective. Um, the Westgate opened up that game at Minnesota minus five and the look ahead was from that game was uh, Minnesota minus four so and uh, right now we're seeing a little bit of market movement continuing towards Minnesota which I'm not super shocked about although I think it's maybe a tad too high yeah um, this one I just I think that we're probably fairly even on where the Vikings should be I think you're probably a little bit higher on the Texans than I am. I could be could be wrong on that, but I just don't think the Texans – I really haven't been impressed with Osweiler, and I just have a really hard time believing that they're going to be able to move the ball on the Vikings' defense unless – I mean, uh, we've, I've been saying this. I said it last week, like you, you said there, the letdown spot for the Vikings. You'd think after beating – the Packers on prime in prime time and then going and beating Carolina, you know, the best team in the NFC or the whole league basically last year. And then coming back home for another prime time game on Monday night and showing the country how good you are. It's, you know, it's prime again. Now you're going back to a new, you know, one o'clock Sunday start, just run of the mill game against a pretty mediocre AFC team. It has all the makings of another letdown game, but, uh, I have no interest in really betting on them letting down again after they very easily could have to some extent last week and came out, you know, pretty impressive. So I I think you'll get a fairly decent effort from the Vikings and Houston. I just haven't been overly impressed with. So I don't feel, I don't, I don't really feel super confident laying points to the Vikings, but I also don't know if I trust the Texans to score enough to keep it close because of one, one bad thing happens, one pick six, one punt return, one thing like that, I think it swings heavily in favor of the Vikings covering. So to me, it's just kind of a stay away from a side. And then the total at 40, I mean, I guess if anything, I lean under, but I don't think you're going to make a living betting under 40s in the NFL either. So to me, uh, I guess if you tease tease this game, which uh, we'll talk about later, but um, teasing if you basically make two bets and then you get six extra points and you go from if you bet two of so like in here if the Vikings minus six you could tease them down to zero or pick them where all they got to do is win the game and then pair that with another game and get six points in that as well and you basically make a standard bet play 110 to win 100 I could see teasing the Vikings down to zero with another game and I think that'd be a pretty solid bet but other than that, I don't really have a whole lot of interest in uh, in the side or total. What about you? Yeah, that's what, I'm not going to be involved. Um, I'm not going to bet against the Vikings here again. Just um, like I said, yeah, that would have been a perfect spot for them to you know, not maybe not lose last night, but at least uh, not cover the spread because I, I did get in at five and release it at four and a half, uh, which is the best number that uh, you could find for the most part uh, all week. So I did get the best of it, but that's unfortunate didn't get through. But um, I didn't. I didn't. Wasn't too confident all game. And basically, as soon as the game started, it didn't uh, didn't look good for either my side or total. And uh, the Vikings just play a really boring, solid 
type of game that you know doesn't appease a whole lot of you know people when they're sitting there watching and stuff like that because it's you know they don't have any explosive plays for the most part. I mean, you have digs and stuff and Rudolph every once in a while getting a you know, play here or there, but for the most part, it's pretty you know, conservative and you know same type of deal, and they just you know get the job done, which. You know that's just uh, you know it's pretty sound football. It's hard hard to bet against that. Even when yeah, I'm, I think Houston's about an average team at best. So it's yeah, it's t- tough to tough to take them on this side. But I think that'd be the only way I'd look here. Yeah, I I, I can see that. I, I I think that like my first instinct when I saw the six is like wow, that's a lot of points for the Vikings to be laying, and you know Houston should be a halfway decent team, grab the points, but. I just really, I mean, have you been, have you watched much Houston? Like, cause Osweiler just really hasn't looked that great to me. And I don't know if it's been, I know, um, Bill O'Brien took over the play calling duties last week. So maybe he'll bring something out of him a little bit better, but I just, I just really, their offense just hasn't really seemed to move the ball much at all. And I just, I don't really have any faith in them to be able to put up points. Yeah, no, I could, I could see that. I mean, I've seen some flashes, I guess, like anybody of flashes of being, you know, being okay and, signs of you know okay i can see where they're coming from or where they could potentially do better in the future you know strive a little better in the future but yeah i don't necessarily see that coming out this week against the vikings defense but i like you said it's just a lot of points too so i i don't think i'm going to bet houston by any means but that, i don't think i could be taking the vikings either with that almost six and a half now almost going to, it looks like it might be going to seven too so all right i think that's uh we're pretty much in, in agreement there i think that's uh about enough on that game what about uh, Tennessee at Miami? For this one, my guess was Miami minus three. What about you? Um, yeah, that's one that's probably my biggest shock of the so far of the whole slate. I guess I had Tennessee favored uh, minus one. My power rating, I had Tennessee minus two, and I was pretty shocked to see that Miami opened at three and a half. Which um, I don't know. I don't. Well, I guess in the look ahead was Miami minus four, but yeah, I don't really see. I don't know if people are watching the same Miami team as me. Um, but they, Tennessee's had some flashes where they've, you know, they, and don't get me wrong, uh, Mariota hasn't played that good this year, but, uh, he, he's, he's definitely got the ability and I think he could turn it on at any time or have the, you know, capable, even that, against that Detroit game a couple of weeks ago, he, you know, let it drive down and, he, and, and, and got the win for him, although it was kind of a little bit lucky in here and there, but he can make some throws when he needs to, but, uh, Miami just all together, I think they have a lot of flaws and. Not not something I'm going to be back in here at three. Uh, so I did already release a play in Bet Tennessee. Uh, I don't think that number is going to get any higher than I I got it at four and released it at three and a half. So I don't know. That's one I was really shocked about. So I'm I'm still kind of you know trying to ponder uh, where, where this where this number came from. So not to break it down too critically here, but if what are you are you just assuming three for a home field in terms of break like your power ratings number or are you adjusting for different home fields or yeah i would say i i don't know i think miami's got pretty weak home field so i'd probably say well, probably one of the weakest in nfl i'd probably say a home field of like two maybe two points yeah i think that's fair yeah i'd say they're definitely one of the top five weakest home fields so i'd say yeah, one one and a half two anywhere in there would be fair so you're you're saying you're thinking um that Tennessee's, you know, three, 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 four points better than Miami. Yeah, and a neutral, I'd say about three points. I would, I would think, yeah. Okay. No, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. And obviously, the markets, you know, don't don't agree with that. They're basically saying they're about even, or you know, or I guess if, if you factor in Miami's home field is that weak, they're saying Miami's at least a point or two better. So, 
I would agree that I think I like Tennessee. I haven't been overly impressed with Tennessee, even though they, you know, they did cash for us a couple weeks ago and and they hung fairly tough with uh, Houston last week outside of the one Will Fuller punt return. They were basically right there. So I think Tennessee is serviceable. I'd say they're a little bit below average. And, yeah, I, I haven't been impressed with Miami at all. I mean, it's, it's easy to say that coming off of the Thursday night shellacking against uh, Cincinnati last week. But, I mean, Tannehill just to me has been, you know, very mediocre at best. And there's nothing really about their team that stands out that much that I'm in a rush to, to back. So I guess they're coming off of you know, a long, long week with the – the Thursday night game, they get you know the week and a half to prepare, and now they're coming home. But I don't think, like we've talked about, that's going to be that big of a bump for them. So, I the only way I would look in this game would be Tennessee as well. But uh, I haven't got there quite yet. But yeah, like like I think you said earlier, the the money looks to be coming in on Tennessee. So I could see this one closing three for sure. But uh, the one thing I did at uh, at open, I got involved with the under at forty three and a half which it looks like the number's been paying pretty much the same on the total. But I just think Tennessee's a pretty strong under team. seems like they – I mean, they had the whole mentality of grounding and pounding coming into the year and just running the ball a lot. And they've, they've stuck to it for the most part. They haven't been as – as uh, you know, they haven't done that as much as I kind of anticipated they might. But their games have stayed under pretty well, and I don't see that changing here in the future. And Miami just has so much trouble scoring the ball that I'd say they're somewhat of an under team as well. So at 43.5, it's a little bit low, but I thought it was a fair number. So I did jump in on the under there. Yeah, I, I like the under. Uh, I haven't jumped in on that. Uh, I don't really like a whole lot this week altogether, and specifically anything for totals. But um, that's something that's slightly intriguing. So, all right. Um, the next game we got is New England, the return to Tom Brady. And uh, at Cleveland, my guess on this one was 9.5. What did you have for that one? Yeah, this one I had New England minus 10 was my guess. Um, yeah, obviously factoring in Brady. Uh, my power rating, uh, New England minus 8.5. The Westgate uh, opened this game at New England minus 10. And the same for the look ahead from the week before. So it's, um, I don't know, my numbers are pretty much right on. Um, I don't really have a whole lot of problem with where it's at and, uh, I mean, where, where it opened at or where it's going to. Um, obviously, the a lot of public's going to be back in the, the Brady comeback and everything like that against a really poor Cleveland team uh, that doesn't isn't too flashy and has been getting bet against, the public has been betting against pretty much all season long. So um, it looks like there's some money going uh, New England, they don't they don't mind laying you know double digits here so on the road. But I know I couldn't. I, this would be either Cleveland or pass for me, which is pretty much the same same deal every week in a Cleveland game from from my perspective. So yeah, I was gonna say I, uh, you know, it's kind of sad to say here, but I don't I'm, I might have money on Cleveland every single week here the whole season the way it's shaping up because I think I have just about every week. I don't think I did against Philly in week one, but ever since then. I think I've had Cleveland money on Cleveland every week, and by all rights, they should have covered last week against Washington, and and you know we're all tied, getting anywhere from seven and a half to ten, and blew that in ridiculous fashion. And uh, the same, I'm totally agree with you this week again. It's 
Yeah, there's no way it's it's just it's hard for me to imagine that it'd be profitable laying double digits on the road. Even I mean, you could Brady could go in there and come back strong, and they could still you know pull back towards the end of the in the second half when they're up you know never seventeen twenty, and Cleveland could still backdoor it because Kessler's been fairly serviceable, you know and they pull off the dogs the back door is always open so it's just hard for me to imagine it'd be profitable long term laying double digits on the road so the only way i'd look is cleveland as well but uh still debating if i want to want to get in on that or not yeah well the thing i don't understand is is, it's like brady hasn't he he wasn't even allowed to be with the team so like he's basically just you know walking in here and he i think last night or sunday night at midnight monday morning was when he could you know officially be back so it's like it's not like he's been sitting there and you know practicing and he's just you know doing everything like he can't do anything so it's like he's really coming off pretty he played a little bit in the preseason stuff obviously for some practice but it's like it, it's he's coming pretty cold turkey for the most part so it's like it's not like he's just going to be able to you know start throwing some of these guys when they get ready for just preseason and training camp and all that stuff it takes a long time to get into the swing of things again so uh but i mean the spot for new england as a whole after getting their first shutout since uh i don't even know how long like 20 years or whatever it was or 10 years but a long time uh so that that's obviously going to be a little bit of a motiva- motivational factor for him, but but still, it's just yeah, ten and now it's moving towards eleven points, and I won't be surprised if we moved up a little bit higher than that. It's just yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, you were telling me that you were doing some handicapping in this game, weren't you? I think last week when you said there were some photos of Brady in uh, France or whatever that uh, you were doing for handicapping purposes. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, heard he was doing some some nude sunbathing there in France or wherever he was at. But yeah, to your point, that was, yeah, I saw him at the Michigan game. You saw like all those pictures come out and, uh, and, uh, I think he was at, uh, you know, doing ads for the Ryder Cup and it sure doesn't seem like his mind's been, you know, chomping at the bit, you know, sitting at home or in the, at the practice facility, you know, working this whole time. He's been off and going to come back with a vengeance and I'm sure I'll be fine, but it's probably going to take him a little bit of time to, gain uh, you know the chemistry and the timing back with the offense and then and then even after that the, the I mean the whole team has been okay like but they haven't been you know at least last week and maybe it was just a letdown spot and it's a throwaway game against Buffalo but I don't think that when Brady comes back it's just going to cure every every problem they have so but between the probably likely slow start for them and then if they do get up the chance for a back to recover with Cleveland, it just seems to me like that, uh, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a bad bet on Cleveland. There's a chance that, you know, New England wins 49 nothing and it's a terrible bet, but, you know, I can't be too scared of that because I was on a couple of those last week. So it seems like more than, more than 53% of the time, it sure seems to me like Cleveland's going to cover that bet. So I'll probably end up being on Cleveland here by the end of the week would be my guess. Yeah, exactly. But like, yeah, like you said, it's probably it's not going anywhere but up, in my opinion. So it doesn't it's not going to hurt you to wait. Yeah, I agree. But it, yeah, it's like even with, like you said with Brady, it's even like Belichick. It's not like he's just sitting there and happens to wake up one morning. He's a you know fabulous coach that does everything right, and makes the good decisions, and everything like that. It's like no, he works at it and studies and studies film, and you know sitting there late into the night and everything like that. And it's like you can't just you know snap your fingers and just be all of a sudden be a great 
uh, in anything. So it's like, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'm not saying that he's going to be terrible or anything this game, but it's not like I, I don't know if it necessarily warrants him laying double digits on the road coming back for the first week. Is all I guess all I'm saying. Yeah, and on the flip side, Cleveland's been pretty frisky. Like they're they're a bad team, but. They're a respectable bad team. They're not I, like I, yeah. You know, I kind of like the I kind of like Kessler to be honest. Yeah, I mean he's yeah he's made some plays. He's he's made a couple bad plays, but he hasn't done anything that's just egregiously bonehead to the point no. where you're like this guy's. I mean he hasn't been as bad as Fitzpatrick, that's for sure. Yeah, and he's so, learning still, obviously. Yeah, exactly. So I mean they're they're not like the Jags of a couple years ago or Oakland of a few years ago where they're they're just so unbackable just terrible i think so i think there's definitely spots where you can you know they can hang in there and like by all rights they should have last week and they cashed ticket for me against baltimore a couple weeks ago and so i I think that they're for an 0-4 team there's a decent amount of value in them because you know no one wants to back them really oh yeah they cashed against uh the dolphins last week or two weeks ago so almost won outright or should have won outright yeah so i mean i'm so far when i backed them they're They've won for me two out of three times, and the only time they didn't, they easily should have against Washington. So until the the market adjusts down on them, which likely isn't going to happen anytime soon, I'm, I'll probably be on Cleveland here. Yeah, yeah. It's a broken record with Cleveland, and, and even the picks, I might be on them again. I haven't released it yet, but yeah. I won't be surprised by, uh, by come kickoff. I'll, I'll have another Cleveland ticket in my pocket, so yeah, I guess we'll see. All right. Um, we got the next game is the Jets at Pittsburgh. And on this one, I guess Pittsburgh minus six. Uh, this one, I guess Pittsburgh minus seven and a half. My power rating is a little bit closer to you for what I think it should have been at, and I had Pittsburgh minus six and a half. And the Westgate Open and the Look Ahead were both the same, and um, it opened here at Pittsburgh minus seven. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. This game here, I, uh, I don't know. Pittsburgh, they came came back Sunday night. And look pretty, look pretty good. Uh, pretty phenomenal, actually. After that, you know, letdown, so, so to say, against Philadelphia the week before. So they had came back with, you know, uh, Tomlin had them fired up and was uh, <laughs> they were they were ready to go when they showed it. That game was about over at what halftime. Yeah, yeah, they were up. What was it, twenty twenty eight rip or something like that? They were just absolutely dominant. So yeah, yeah it's just fine with my Pittsburgh and my over, but it wasn't too entertaining from a fan perspective, but. Anytime cashing tickets, it's just fine with me. Um, so, but yeah, I, so I, I think Pittsburgh maybe found their own. I think so. One of the, I don't know who the commentator was, but it was mentioned something about how this was a you know good, might have been a you know blessing in disguise for Pittsburgh the week before having a you know, letdown like that because they do have a lot of talent, but they kind of just need to focus and you know work hard and stuff. So they kind of maybe got too, you know, too cocky with themselves and everything. So it might might have been a good thing because they they do they do look pretty solid when they play well and everything. So I don't I don't know this game. I don't have. Where my power rating was and where it opened and everything, I don't know. It doesn't look like a whole lot of value to be had either way. Uh, but obviously, I'm not going to be laying laying a touchdown with any team, so it's either Jets again or pass. So. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, obviously the number reflects it, but I think Pittsburgh's by far the better team, and um, I think you pretty much know what you're going to get out of them. Like, obviously, their efforts the last couple weeks have been drastically different, but I think they're you know pretty consensus atop five or so team and well, yeah, when they get it going they're pretty good and i expect them to be not necessarily peak performance but i think they'll be just fine again coming out here but uh, the jets on the other hand i've just been really i mean they've 
really disappointed me here the last couple of weeks, and I just I don't I don't trust Fitzpatrick. I've I've backed him the last two weeks, and and both times I'm like, oh well, you know, the rest of the teams played just fine, but Fitzpatrick, what is it, nine interceptions now in the last two weeks? It's just just uh, it's really frustrating when you're when you're on them, and uh, you know the defense plays good. The everybody else is doing fine. You know the receivers are making decent plays, and and uh, the next thing you know he's just throwing interception after interception, and then you kind of talk to yourself like, all right, well maybe the defense can hold, and then the defense holds, and they get the ball back, and then he throws them right back to him. It's just uh, get to the point here where even if you do think it's a point or two high, which I think normally I think there's a case to be made for the Jets saying seven's a lot of points. You know, and they they have a pretty decent overall team. Like I could easily talk myself into that off a huge performance by Pittsburgh on a primetime game, but I just at the moment don't have any interest in backing Fitzpatrick because you know a couple picks and it totally submarines the the, the spread for you. So this could be alluding back to the referencing back to the Minnesota teaser, tease that down to a pick, and you could tease Pittsburgh down to minus one. Um, I mean, it's hard for me to see. Obviously, anything can happen, but it's hard for me to see either of those two teams losing outright, which is what it would need to to blow up your teaser. So, if I did move on this game, I think it would be teasing Pittsburgh down to to minus one or so. Yeah, that won't be a bad luck. Um, yeah, I don't know. I agree with that, but uh, it's just hard to back Jets with yeah, like you said, with Fitzpatrick, because when you have someone at the helm making mistakes like that with pretty solid core around them, and yeah, it's just like. Once you know, once it, I can see after a game or something, once he shows a decent performance, then you can kind of maybe start backing him again. But you got to wait for that to happen. I don't really want to lose a bunch of money waiting for that to happen either. Yeah, and uh, with Decker being out, that was yeah, that's been huge. Yeah, I mean, it just didn't look like. I mean, against the Chiefs, when he threw six interceptions, I think it was a couple weeks ago, and they lost twenty-four to three. I I was on the Jets plus three and a half that game, and I felt. Even though they lost by 21, I still didn't feel like that was that bad of a bet with the six interceptions because they were still moving the ball a little bit and their defense was basically shutting down Kansas City and it's just basically you know impossible and you're minus I think they were minus seven or eight in the turnover you know battle that's just impossible to win so it's like but I mean interceptions aren't completely random but turnovers as a whole tend to kind of regress back to the mean for the most part so. I didn't feel like that was a totally damning performance, but last week with Decker out and they only lost 27-17, but it just felt like the whole time they just really didn't have a whole whole lot going and that just was really kind of a, a turn-off performance from them for me. So I don't know if it was how much Decker had to play in that necessarily, but I don't really have a whole lot of interest in, in backing him here going forward until, like you said, they show me that he can take care of the ball a little bit and they can perform a little bit better here going forward. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Uh, the next game we got is Washington and Baltimore. I had Baltimore minus four and a half for this one. Yeah, this one I had Baltimore minus three is my guess. Uh, I think the power rating, uh, which I got at the time, I might be a little light, but yeah, right. I had it at Baltimore minus one and a half, but I think it should be more like Baltimore minus two and a half. Um, and then Westgate, they opened at Baltimore minus four. Uh, for the open line, and then the look ahead was Baltimore minus five from the week before. So it looked like right in that right in that area. Um, I think we're both kind of 
pretty decently low on Baltimore. Um, I think this is a, wash, a spot I'm looking for Washington, kind of. just. And it looks like the Baltimore line keeps creeping uh, up and getting some Baltimore money. So, um, if, And if it's going to go that way, I think it's going to go slightly that way, but I don't see a huge move. But I might just wait here and see if I can get a little more value on Washington. And if, and if I can, otherwise, maybe just sit, sit out. As I say, I know it because I took a little bit of Washington plus four right at open. And uh, it looks to me like there's been, there's been a little bit of Washington money. So I could see this one potentially getting bet down to, I don't know about all the way down to three, but I could see it. I could see it maybe, you know, sit closing at three and a half or maybe, you know, three and a half with a little bit of juice to the, to the dog. So I'd, and we'll see, but um, yeah, I, uh, I bet against Baltimore last week with my, my pick of the week and my biggest bet of the week uh, with Oakland against the Ravens. And it ended up being pretty close and car to, have a drive there at the last second to come back, but Oakland for the most part pretty much dominated that game and was was ahead pretty much the whole way. So I'm uh, definitely not not too high, like you said, I'm not too high on Baltimore. I think they're uh, a little bit of a fraud at uh, three and one right now. So I think there's money to be made betting against them. But uh, I, Washington, I'm not a huge fan of either, and. Uh, I, I think their defense is pretty banged up and pretty vulnerable, which, you know, we both, your pick last week was, you know, the over in the Washington-Cleveland game, and Cleveland didn't have a whole lot of trouble moving the ball against them, and if the Cleveland offense is moving the ball against you fairly easily, that's not a good sign. So that scares me a little bit with my with my Washington bet this week, but I still just, I think that the Washington offense will have enough success to kind of keep pace with them, and I basically think it's a coin flip game either way. So in that case, give me the four points all day. And uh, again, I'd be tempted to lean a little bit towards the over at 45, but I don't quite trust the Baltimore offense enough to to put up enough points to feel super confident in it. So I just got to bet on Washington, and I think that's uh, probably what I'll end up with for the week. Yeah. Um, I, I'll be interested to see how this Washington team plays. Um, it's not far from home, but not a home game. I think they're a significantly better team at home uh, than than away, which obviously all teams are going to be. But I think they're even you know above the the mean for for that stat. So I'll be interested to see if they can go in there and settle down. If Cousins getting a little bit of a groove, but yeah, I, I like the Washington side too. But I don't know if I'm actually going to get the window or not, especially if it keeps moving. If it moves down, uh, like you like like you say, it's going. I saw a little bit of Baltimore money early, but yeah, it looks like it's coming down a little bit. But um, yeah, uh, if it, if it does get down to th- you know three or three and a half and stays there, I, yeah, I might just might just sit out. But I guess we'll have to wait and see how the week progresses. Yeah, one one last note on this game is with Cousins, not necessarily this week, but going forward with him. If I mean, there's already been you know a decent amount of rumblings there and saying the players in the locker room are you know questioning him or not supporting him and whatnot. But if he does have a Fitzpatrick-like performance where he only throws a handful of interceptions in any game or just looks really bad or or what have you, either next week or a couple weeks in a row. Like, it might be a, a case sometime in the near future where you just you just fade Washington pretty hard and it, it, uh, just such a you know, total disaster situation that uh, 
until they make a change there or whatever, you just go against them. And I'm not saying that's for sure going to happen, but there's potential for that. So that's definitely something I'm going to be looking for here is if it does go south there, it could go south hard, and it'll take a market a couple weeks to adjust to that properly. So there could be some value going against Washington here, but um, we'll see if that's the case here going forward. Hmm. Um, all right, so the next game we got is Philadelphia at Detroit. Uh, on this one... I had Philadelphia minus one. What did you have? Yeah, nice. And I went overboard just from the, I thought public would be super high in Philly. I had Philly minus four and a half. And this one, my power rating is Philly minus three and a half. And the Westgate opened at a pick, uh, which I was, that's another one I was pretty shocked about. Um, and the look ahead was Detroit minus one. And I saw some shops, I think Cantor had Detroit minus two and a half. And it got, uh, when I looked at it Sunday night during the it was during the late game, so not only it was open for maybe maybe a couple hours at the most, and uh, it was already a bet from not a huge move because it wasn't through a key number, but still from Detroit being favored two and a half all the way to Philadelphia at, at, at three even money the other way. So that's you know f- five point move and uh, five and a half point move, and it's just like wow. And that in that short time span, that doesn't very rarely does that happen. So that's. Uh, pretty crazy so I, I did like the philly side at, at you know getting points like that if you could have found a one plus one two but now that they're pretty much three minus one ten across the board or uh you know so a little bit of juice on the on the underdog but yeah pretty much three i think the prevailing number so it's like at that number it's either a detroit for pass or me yeah i think uh i think i don't know where i think was it teddy covers that mentioned this on the opening line report on the sports memo podcast he said that, uh, like, when you're looking at this, so you got one team that's that was on a bye in Philadelphia, so your feelings for them shouldn't have changed. And the only thing that happened last week was Detroit played a game against Chicago and was, you know, never in doubt, you know, wrong side loser, which I was on and, you know, regret, obviously. But, and they look bad, but Detroit's, like you said, like you referenced with Washington, Detroit's one of those teams that definitely plays significantly better at home than they do on the road and uh even though they play bad is it really worth you know is the four or five point line move really warranted here you know i'm, I'm not sure i think uh i think there's a little bit of value taking detroit getting a full field goal at home because i mean go, coming into the season if you had told me philadelphia is laying three on the road in week five i wouldn't have believed you i'm like i, I thought they were going to be a bottom feeder you know, terrible team, and obviously they haven't been. They've been more impressive than that, but there's three games, two out of three against questionable opposition, really enough to completely change your opinion of the team. I just, I don't know if that's totally warranted, so I'm not sure I'm going to for sure um, jump on Detroit after how much they let me down last week, uh, last week, but that's the only way I could look in this game, and at three getting three at home with Detroit here seems like a, a pretty good bet so I'm guessing that by the end of the week I'll, I'll probably be on that side yeah well if you look at if they when they come up with the lines just the same when they come out the you know season win win totals over under for uh, every team uh, they also uh, you know do the lines for each week and I, I bet you the line back in you know April May or June whatever they did this back in the, over the summer uh, this lineup, I would have, I wouldn't have been surprised if Detroit was you know three and a half four point favorites, and now you're looking at Philadelphia being a three point favorite on the road here. So it's like that's a pretty 
pretty huge, and then even just the look ahead line uh, being a one, and then there's a, you know it's a one shot that opened at two and a half or whatever. So it's like that's a like I already said, it's a huge huge shift. So it's yeah overreaction. I mean, I, I like Philly a little bit just from you know I, I would have liked them getting points here uh, just from I think the talent they have, and it's good as Wentz has been playing. But now when you talk about a full field goal on the road, it's just yeah I. De- decently intrigued on Detroit, especially if Philadelphia continues to take money, but I think eventually it's going to have to stop here with you know, some sharp buyback. Yeah, the the question to me here is everybody should be asking themselves in this game, do I want to back Detroit getting the field goal, or do I want to leave the game alone? And if you have enough confidence in Detroit to, to bounce back, or Philly to be a little bit you know, uh, rusty out of their bye week, then you take Detroit. If you don't, just let the game be and you know, move on and watch it or monitor it and see if there's anything you can pull out going forward. But to me, it's pretty much that easy. Yeah, and I, I like I said, I think Philadelphia would have been a pretty good bet earlier uh, if you would have got on the number right away. But now that it's already moved and all the value is pretty much out of there, I don't, I don't like it that much at all. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, all right, the, the, we got the last of the one o'clock games here. Uh, we got Chicago at Indianapolis and. For this one, my guess was Indy minus three. Yeah, and this one I had, uh, my guess was Indianapolis minus three and a half. My power rating, uh, right what you had at your guess, was Indy minus three. And the Westgate opened this one for Indianapolis minus five. And then the week before, they had the look at, look at was surprising, which was Indianapolis minus six and a half. Which, um, yeah, uh, I don't know if they... We already mentioned this maybe a few times, but them not getting a buy after the London, I think, is going to be a huge, huge, you know, playing this a, a great deal. But I, I know Chicago is basically just one of the most unattractive teams right next to Cleveland from the public betting perspective. So I'm sure that has a lot to do with the line. But um, it is still, if you see value, I don't. Need, that's you know a game where if you see value, I don't care what the team is. If there's value in it, you should, you should bet it. And not not what they look like or you know the. How much you know respect they get, or the way they look as a team, or whatever. As long as it, there's some value on it, just from the way they can play and you know keep up, it's like th- this seems like a game where there's a little bit of value on Chicago, but it's just kind of hard to get to the window with them. So I don't know. Uh, I, I definitely don't like Indy laying the points here, especially off the, the situation and everything like that, and the way they've looked and their defense and all the injuries they have. It's just it's hard to imagine anyone's laying. You know, right now it's four and a half, five points. It's just hard hard to imagine anyone's buying into that. Yeah, I. I actually have a fairly strong opinion on this game. I bought, uh, like I said, I, my guess was Indy minus three on this one. And when I saw it open five, uh, I, I took it immediately with Chicago because I, I just, I don't, I don't think Indianapolis just really isn't a good team. And, uh, there's really nothing they've done this year that's convinced me otherwise. I just, I don't, I don't really see it. Their defense is horrible. Their offensive line is bad. Luck, you know, Luck's a good quarterback, but he, as evidenced last week, he can't really do it by himself. And the re- the receivers are fine with you know Hilton and Moncrief and Dorsett. You know, it's probably a slightly above average receiving core. But other than that, it's like, what have they been using their picks on <laughs> and their free agency money? Like they're just. They just don't have. They're just so little, such little talent on that team. It's just unreal. And uh, I was on them last week, so you know maybe it's a little bit of bitterness. But they go and they play the Jags in London, and then they come back without the bye. And it's just like that's to fly across the Atlantic and back in one week. 
and play a football game, it just seems like that's got to be taxing. And, you know, they, they come out a little sluggish, wouldn't surprise me at all. The only case I could make um, opposite of that would be the fact that they did lose last week and were, you know, fairly competitive, only losing by three. And now they come back home, and the, the Bears had a huge win in their division against the Lions at home. And, you know, they're probably feeling pretty good about themselves right now, and now they go on the road um, against an AFC team. So, you know, there's the potential for them to not be super fired up for the game, but that's about the only case I can make for the Colts playing more than a field goal here. So if you give me the Bears with Brian Hoyer, who is – you know, not the best quarterback by any means. You know, doesn't have the talent of a Cutler, but the team seems to sure play for him harder and be fired more fired up for him. The two starts he's had, he played at Dallas, who looks like a fairly good team, and they got beat fairly handedly. But they were still they had to drive in the fourth quarter to to get through the back door and and cover that game for their backers. And then last week they go and beat the Lions, which you know isn't the most difficult task in the world, but you still got to give them some credit for it. And now all you're doing is asking them is to cover a five-point number. Like, I think that's extremely doable. And then the Colts, they just uh, they cut Rodgers Cromartie today, and they cut uh, a linebacker more. So they already had a horrible defense, and they're just randomly cutting veterans. Like, that's not a good sign. So the... Basically, if you give me Team X, other than maybe Cleveland getting five points against this Colts team, I think it's almost an auto buy. And then I think Hoyer is frisky enough where he can put up some points. So I'm pretty strongly on the Bears this week. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I'm that's either a Bears or pass. I don't know if I'm gonna get to the window on that or not though. All right. Well, let's go to the uh, afternoon games here. It looks like there's four of them this week, which. I, I like when there's, you know, five or five, at least five afternoon games, kind of split them up a little bit so you're not overwhelmed in the morning. But with these buys, at least they left us with four. Because I know sometimes last year they'd only have two or or three afternoon games, and that's the worst when you have nine morning games and then two afternoon games. So the first uh, afternoon game we got here is Atlanta at Denver. On uh, this one, I guess Denver minus six. Yeah, that's one I uh, I had Denver minus two. Uh, my power rating was Denver minus four. Uh, but yeah, it looks like the look ahead, or sorry, the, the open was Denver minus six and a half, but then the look ahead had it at Denver minus six. So, uh, yeah, you're right in the ballpark there. Well, um, my, my numbers would lead me to suggest that you know, I should take, you know, although it's kind of a dead area there from what I had it at a couple points in that three to seven range isn't a huge deal. Um, but, it, you know, my numbers would lead me to go to Atlanta's side, but. Um, I don't know. I definitely don't don't really want to back Atlanta right now. They're about as you know buying about as high as you can with Matt Ryan the way he's been playing. I think he's right now. I think he's about the early talk for an MVP type candidate, which is pretty preposterous in my eyes for for Ryan. I mean, he has played good. Don't get me wrong, but I don't I don't foresee that continuing if I had to predict it. So I don't really want to be backing them because they're already getting an inflated point spread against that. Um, I thought they'd get a little bit more, even more market support. That's what my power ratings had, but. Uh, they didn't really, uh, obviously, because the look headline didn't change a whole lot. But yeah, um, so I don't know. I, I don't really want to like delay Denver here with this many points, just because they they have a you know solid offense, but uh, their defense is obviously what wins some games more than anything. Uh, and it's hard to lay that many points with the defense. But 
I don't. Atlanta's obviously a high-powered offense, so that'd be kind of an interesting game to watch. But I really don't like the size on either of these, and, and the total I don't really like a whole lot either. So you had Atlanta only getting two against a good home field and a four-zero Broncos team. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. More I think about it, but it's. I thought it just. I I was more lucky because even my power rating when I have Denver at four. Um, um, it was more to the fact that I thought it would just be an overreaction in the market. That's what I was kind of guessing for. It would just be a huge overreaction from the way Atlanta's been performing. But uh, maybe maybe slightly wishful thinking so I could take Denver, I guess, too. But, yeah, it just doesn't uh, – not not a good guess, I guess, is what it came down to. But luckily I'm not making any bets on those. No, yeah, I was going to say, if, and either you should have been max betting Atlanta right now at taking the six – or yeah, well that's, well, that's obviously why my power rating. That's not my my guess. Is you know that's yeah. that's basically why I threw the power rating in because like I said, it's at four, which is a lot more comparable to just you know the six. Or right now the market's at like five and a half six, so that's way more comparable than the two. So that's like I said, just trying to you know gauge where the market is, which is the hard part. But obviously you know you don't you don't wager any money on that. It's more just to, you know where you think it should go and from what the basically basically how the public's going to react, which is hard for me to think like that. But that's obviously what it, you know, what the guessing is pretty much doing. Yeah, no, so that's what I'm saying is either you should now be max betting Atlanta taking the six because you thought that's where, you know, where roughly where it should be, or if you thought it was going to open to, then you would have been hammering the Denver, you know, laying the two if that were the case, which, yeah, I might have uh, been at the bank taking out some loans if I could have got some Denver minus two. I would have been all over that. Well, I think uh, I'd be doing that even with the Denver at three or even three and a half maybe, like, not to that, not to that extent, obviously, because that would kind of go against our, our bankroll management yeah. from last concept corner. But other, other than that, uh, yeah, I think, I think three and a half. I like, yeah, I think three and a half here. If it could get to there, which is, I don't, I don't think this is going to ever. But three and a half, I like here. But the line, I don't really don't even at seven much. I don't think it's going to get there either. It's be even be tough to back Atlanta. So I just, I just don't. I think they're down here, ready for a letdown spot here pretty soon. But um, I don't want to, you know, buy into it right now at their peak. Yeah, I I bet uh, Denver at open. I took them at five, and uh, I don't really like I don't like laying points. I guess at all in general, and specifically with an offense that I don't totally trust to put up a ton of points. But I think Simeon's been pretty good, and we should make a note that last game against Tampa, um, Simeon got hurt, and Paxton Lynch, the rookie, came in and. He looked every bit as good as Sammy, and if not even better. At well, I was gonna, I was gonna say I had the under in that game, uh, which was, and that's the game I bet at the win at forty-four and a half, and it moved down to forty-three and a half uh, right after I bet him both times. You know, one each move forty-four to forty-three and a half, but so that was a game I was, you know, pretty confident about. But it goes there, and then you know, Winston throws two early picks that leads to two scores, which is basically the whole Denver, you know, Denver's points from the first half. And then, and then you you know you get an injury from their starting quarterback in Simeon. I'm like, all right, well that's you know usually a good sign for a total because they're going to be more conservative, run the ball, because you know they're not running the first string offense in practice. So you know they're not going to. Then all of a sudden you see them you know, getting out the first play and they're up, you know, what is it, two scores or whatever it was, and they're sitting there gunslinging down the field. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, and, it looked like he was and, in his best Breeze impersonation. Yeah, yeah, oh, exactly. I was like, does he have a little over in his pocket that he's trying to screw me over? Or what's going on here? Because I was just like, he was he was throwing about two times as much downfield as Simeon was. I was like, is there something I'm missing here or what? Yeah, yeah but I, luckily that game still you know easily got under. I think whatever what did it finish at at thirty twenty seven seven or whatever it was, but or twenty I don't know, but but yeah, easily went under the total. But it's it they were trying to trying to get some points for whatever reason when they're up two scores. Yeah, yeah, I was. Uh... 
I mean, I watched Lynch a little bit at Memphis last year, but uh, you know, wasn't it's hard to tell how they're going to translate to the NFL. So I was really pre- pleasantly surprised watching it. I mean, not from the fact that I was on Tampa last week, which I, I didn't like how good he looked coming in, but for uh, you know, judging him going forward, I thought he was very impressive. So whether it's Simeon here or Lynch, I think either either way they'll be fine. So. I just yeah I don't I don't foresee the number move uh, right now it is Simeon but yeah if it did announce something later or whatever I don't think it'd affect the number a whole lot if at all no and uh, you know Atlanta coming off a huge division win against their you know the bullies in that division in the last couple of years and the Panthers it's hard to imagine they're not going to be let down a little bit because that's a huge win for them last week and like we both talked about over and over again is neither of us really that high on Atlanta at all. And obviously I give them some credit and, and upgrade them a little bit. In my, my thought process here from, from how well they played the last couple of weeks, but I still think against a really good team, which a lot of, you know, we thought Carolina might be, but it's hard to give them that status now the way they play this year. So it's, uh, against a really good we know for sure one thing we know for certain is that denver's defense is really solid so i'll be really curious to see how matt ryan and and the atlanta offense performs against denver and uh what could be somewhat of a letdown spot for him and you know i hate backing teams that are you know four and oh five and oh somewhere in there because it just seems by definition they almost have to be overvalued because people are going to be overreacting to, to that record when i don't really care about records at all but in this instance, at least, I think there's more of a chance that Atlanta's going to be a little bit more in the letdown spot than Denver is. So, I th- And I do think Denver's home field's fairly strong. I'd say three and a half maybe. So I think absolutely Denver's two points or more better than Atlanta. So I'm on Denver, not not for a ton because I, I just hate laying points with anybody, but I do think it's not too bad of a bet at five or six somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah, I'd agree. It makes makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, like you said too, overvalued. I think Atlanta's got to be you know peak right now from just flashy and showy with these long downfield plays with you know Matt Ryan, Julio Jones. They're just uh, Julio Jones coming off a 300 yard game, which is the most uh, in his career, and uh, yeah, just a remarkable. But yeah, that's what people are gonna you know, want to be betting on, I would assume. But and Denver's kind of just a team that's not too attractive and kind of just gets the job done it's really similar to the Vikings just because they have the defense and don't don't show a, lot, a whole lot of the jazz on you know offense but and just one last quick note on this game when's the last time there's been a Denver total in Denver at 47 48 I guess it's been a while yeah no definitely even that Colts one there and the Colts are about as an over team as it gets I think that total was like 45 or 46 so the fact that this is a couple points higher than that, they're either, I think the odds makers and the markets are upgrading Denver's offense. I think that's where the, you know, genesis of that total being so high is, I think, is the, the upgrade to the Denver's offense, which I agree with. And I think we talked a little bit before about how there might be a little value in Denver over because they're going to be pegged as a dead nuts under team. And even though their defense is super good, I think their offense is a significant step up from Peyton last year. So it looks like the markets might already be adjusting to that and, you know, not really giving us a whole lot of opportunities to take advantage of uh, taking Denver over here. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it looks like money's coming towards the over, if anything, and that's what they're moving towards. So, yeah, yeah, see uh, see where it moves all week. All right. Uh, the next game up we got is uh, Buffalo at the Rams. 
Los Angeles. I would, uh, I guessed L.A. by three in this one. Yeah, and I had L.A. minus two and a half. Uh, my power rating for this game was L.A. minus one and a half uh, coming home here against Buffalo. And then um, the open was L.A. minus three, even money. And that's what the look ahead was, too. So that's, that's a game when I, was, when I was doing it. I was like, there's no way it's you know, not two and a half, three here. And that's obviously right where it came in at. But um, pretty easy game to peg where it should be at. And I don't really have a whole lot of uh, whole lot of lean either way or any any um, any, any opinion, really, on this game. So I'd, I, I, I guess I'd, I'd probably lean towards, towards the Rams here, laying the two and a half with juice or, or the field goal with even money or whatever. But... Um, yeah, it'd either be a, a Rams for me or pass on this game. Yeah, I kind of agree. Um, I think you know Buffalo after beating New England, even though it was kind of a flawed victory with a somewhat injured Brissett in there, I don't give them a whole lot of credit for that. Now they're flying across country, and you know I, I don't have a lot of faith they're going to be able to keep it up. But at the same time, you got the Rams coming off a huge win against their division. I don't know if I say rival, but one of their biggest division foes and uh, the Cardinals. So that's a huge win for them straight up in Arizona. So not a great spot for them coming home either. So it basically comes down to I don't really want either part of any of these teams right now. And yeah, Someone's got to win the game, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Someone's got to win the game. Like I, I agree with you. I'd lean towards L.A., but laying two and a half with juice or three doesn't sound super appealing when I don't feel strongly about it. And so to me, that's yeah, a pretty easy pass. Just um, let's just move on. Yeah, I agree. Um, next game is San Diego at Oakland, and I guessed Oakland by three and a half in this one. Yeah, this one I had Oakland minus three. Uh, my power rating I had Oakland minus two and a half, and um, the Westgate opened this game at Oakland minus three and a half, and the look at it was Oakland minus three one twenty. So. Right in that, right in that ballpark range. Um, I, I like San Diego quite a bit in this spot, uh, especially now that you see some Fords creeping in. Um, it looks like Oakland's been taking a little bit of money, so yeah, if it goes up at all, or maybe even it stays here, I might be on, might be on San Diego. Um, they've they've pretty much been competitive and just should have won. I guess pretty much every game they've played, they should have you know, very feasibly could be four and zero. So um, they're. Really competitive, so I really like them getting points. And Oakland's you know, a team that's pretty flashy, but they've been kind of you know getting by by the skin of their teeth. Uh, not if I have to if I have to see any more. Uh, uh, what's the Oakland coach name? The, yeah, Del Rio. Del Rio, yeah. If I have to see any more Del Rio smirks at the end of the game with him putting his arms in the in the air after getting pretty lucky from different things that happens or whatever, you know, you know, squeezing by their teeth, you know, squeezing by at the last you know second there. It's, Guys, that's frustrating to see. And obviously, I know you like it last week on, on Oakland, but it's just uh, you kind of just shake your head and, and smile when you see that, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it last week. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you did. <laughs> but no, I hear you. If I uh, if I wouldn't have been on that side, I would have been like, wow, what a jackass this guy is. And yeah. getting a ton of credit there for going for two a couple weeks, or was that week one against the New Orleans and running his mouth about how smart he is. And last week, I know they... They did. What was it? They went for two, or they they went for a fourth down, or something that was fairly aggressive. And I I was absolutely in favor of it. But yeah, I remember they cut to him about three or four times just over that sequence of the one or two plays. And every time he's in there smirking with the smuggest little grin on his face. And I was like, oh boy, if I was on the other side of this, I'd be <laughs> would be too happy with him. That's that's for sure. 
but in the in this game, I I don't know. I yeah, you wouldn't get me laying points with Oakland because they're just about the last team in the league, if not the last team that I want to back after two straight wins on the road because I don't trust them at all to handle success well. Coming home, probably feeling pretty good about themselves against a somewhat capable San Diego team. Yeah, no thanks on land points, but uh, at some time, at some point here, I mean, uh, you really got to question San Diego. How many games can they blow late? I mean, they're, you know, they got the injuries and they still play well for most of the game, and then all of a sudden, I mean, what were they up in that game against New Orleans? They were up was it 16 or 20 or something like that with, you know, halfway through the fourth quarter. And the next thing you know, they're, they're losing. So I, I just, I don't really know where their head's going to be at. And, and I don't know if I trust them if the game is late where you may, you might be covering like I was with them a couple weeks ago against Indy. You might be covering with them the whole game and then they find a way to blow it late. And you're like, well, I feel like I was on the right side, but I ended up getting the money. So. Yeah, I actually I found know. a prop. I actually found a prop online. San Diego minus four for the first fifty-five minutes. I think I might take that. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Minus four for the first fifty-five, and then plus four for the game. <laughs> plus eight. Yeah, it's probably a fair number. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I think McCoy to be the first one fired isn't a terrible bet at the moment. But uh, yeah, I guess the only way I would look is San Diego, but. I don't think you're going to see me put my money on him anytime soon. Um, the total to me is a little interesting. It opened at 51.5, 52, somewhere in there. And it looks like it's down to 50.5. So I'm kind of surprised there's some under money here. I'm not really sure exactly where that's coming from. Because I think both of these, like San Diego is definitely an over team. And Oakland, I think, tends to be a little bit more of an, like an over team. Their defense has been pretty bad. And Carr can, Carr can sling it. So I'm, I don't really understand the money. The under money other than maybe just it's an interdivision game and they know each other pretty well and maybe it's going to be a little bit slower pace but not totally sure where that's coming from yeah i agree and it's just um i might be on the over here especially if he keeps moving down um but i, I know people said too that you know big betting syndicates and big betting groups that bet on games like this that even in that um atlanta game what was it in saints game last monday uh you know, is that the the total just went sort over the total, but you know they just don't bet it if it's a certain if it's so high, just because you know their model says that this is just statistically such a high total. But you know the leagues changed quite a bit, and I I don't necessarily agree with that. So I think that might be kind of where that money's coming from here, just saying that such a you know fifty two and a half, fifty three, such a high total. I don't even know if it was that high, but maybe fifty two. I'm seeing, and it's like yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just don't agree with that. I, the, especially two teams like this that you know obviously like you, you've already said it but yeah that Oakland's defense is terrible and San Diego they can both score points on offense and kind of just both gunsling so yeah I don't, I don't like the under at all I wouldn't feel too good with an under in my pocket but uh I don't know if I'll get to the window or not with an over yeah um, like, like you said there with some of the strict number players that just plug the stats and whatnot into their model and and uh it seems like there's a little bit of um smoothing there on the on the extremes when it comes to really low games or really high totals where they say, you know, that's too much and, and they tend to take an under, but I think, I think some of those are false, um, you know, false conclusions to be drawn out of them. Cause even though like, yeah, on average, it'll tend to be closer to the mean or, you know, closer towards a, a middle total. So that shows that there's a little bit of value on them. I think it's hard to, 
completely comprehend um, the extreme numbers like that. So if you do have two over teams and it's a total of 53 or so, you know, somewhere in there, even though it looks like there might be a little bit of value strictly based on the numbers, there hasn't been too many interactions between two teams that are that high scoring like that. So I think you can draw some false conclusions based on their interactions with other, you know, average or lower scoring teams. So I think that's a good point is to be a little bit cautious of, uh, of moves, uh, when it's, when it is either extreme high or extremely low numbers. So even though that number is moving down, it doesn't really scare me off of potentially taking it over if, uh, if the number is right there. Mm-hmm. So the last afternoon game we got here is Cincinnati at Dallas. And on this one, I had Dallas minus three is my guess. Okay, yeah, this one I also had Dallas minus three. Um, my power rating put Dallas at three as well. And it looks like the opener and the look ahead for Westgate was Dallas minus one and a half. Um, right now, it's looking pretty much like a pick and even some Cincy minus one uh, with even a little bit of juice on some. So it's like, I don't know, this is a game I um, might, might be on Dallas here. Uh, I don't really... Haven't been high on Cincy all year. Haven't really seen much. To you know, they had that one Thursday night, but uh, against Miami was that last week. But it's like I'm I'm really not that high on Miami either. So that just looks like a game where you might be able to get a value, a little bit of value betting against both those teams. I think. Um, and this, like you said before, uh, I don't like betting on teams that are, have good records that have been you know pretty good. And you got a rookie quarterback that's been playing pretty good and everything. But um, I. Uh, d- definitely don't like Cincy in this spot uh, on the road here. Either you know, pick or laying laying a point. So uh, might be on Dallas here uh, earlier here than later. Yeah, I, uh, I I don't I don't really feel like I'm that high on Dallas. I don't really like Dallas that much. But obviously, based on both our guesses at Dallas minus three, we think these teams are you know pretty close to equal. And they the fact that they have Cincy coming out as a favorite. At Dallas, it's just kind of hard for me to understand. I don't think it's a particular letdown spot for Dallas. And since he does have a couple extra day rests off the Thursday night, so, you know, they should come out fine. But I, I don't know. Does Cincy do anything particularly well? I mean, they got a good defense, but it's not like there's any part of them like, oh, wow, that's scary to go up against that. And they snuck by a Jets team that we're not sure about opening week. Then they played a close one against the Steelers in the rain, but they were behind comfortably the whole time they basically got drilled by the broncos the next week and then they beat the dolphins on that thursday night game so i'm not there's nothing by them that i'm particularly impressed with to the point where i'm thinking oh wow they should be a road favorite against a three and one dallas squad and dallas is you know they lost a close one to the giants at home and then they beat their skins they beat the bears and they beat the niners so you know i i'm fairly confident that they're you know, at least a average to above average team, so you get them at home getting a point or so. Like that's the only way I could look and I'll probably end up having some money on them by the end of the week, even though I don't really feel like I'm that high on Dallas. Yeah, I'm not high on Dallas either, but I'm, I think I'm just a lot lower than the market turn since I guess. But even against Miami on Thursday night, I watched most of that game and I had, I had an over ticket and it wasn't my own bet, but I had an over in my uh a bet in and I was rooting for points like that, but every time they get down there and they just couldn't get anything going in the red zone. It's just, you know, field goal after field goal, and it's just like against a pretty poor Miami defense and uh, Miami team altogether. So uh, I think that's maybe just where you're getting some value there, uh, I, I guess. Um, just, you know, just by the, the playing against the Miami team, that's just not too good. So, yeah, and I think Dallas is a pretty solid team. 
not 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 super solid. But I think they're a decently solid team. I think they're at least equal, like you said, with Cincinnati. So the fact that yeah, that they're basically saying Cincinnati's like what you know, three points better. As I don't know if I necessarily agree with that or two and a half, three points, depending on where what number you look at. Yep. I think we both agree on that. I I wouldn't say by any means it's a you know lock winner where you know I'm gonna be extremely confident and bet a ton on it, but I think it's worthy of a bet. So I'll probably yeah. be on Dallas by the end of the week. Um, the so the Sunday night game we got here we got the Giants at Green Bay, and my guess here was Green Bay minus six. Um. Oh yeah, this one I had Green Bay minus four. <laughs> And my power rating was Green minus three, and but I guess uh, with a little caveat with that—that's kind of what I had. Um, even with the Minnesota line, I had that one lighter, and the Giants a little bit, the Minnesota line a little bit lighter, and then the Green Bay line lighter, just for the fact that I thought the Giants were going to show a little bit more on Monday night last night, and obviously that didn't pan out. So um, this is um, yeah, Green Bay open at minus seven, and that's what the look ahead was as well. So um, I, I, I don't, I think this is. Still too high, and then after that performance too, then Green Bay has been getting some money, so I even see seven minus one twenties here uh, towards Green Bay, and, and some seven and a halfs even popping. So uh, this is a game where I'm most likely going to be on the Giants here again. And uh, essentially, what they're saying, you know, that that Minnesota game closed at I got it at five, but it closed at probably four, three and a half or four, I think it did. So right there, then, then if you have Minnesota, a pretty strong field, home field advantage at three and a half, one of the best in the league. So they're saying that Minnesota and the Giants are maybe a half a point to a full point better. Uh, now you're saying that, you know, the Giants, okay, it's three or four points difference. So you're saying that Green Bay's three or four points better than Vikings on a neutral field. Uh, I'd, I'd argue that the Vikings are better than the Packers on a neutral field. They're at least within a point. So it's like, I don't know if that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me just from, you know, common sense from the lines here. Yeah, little transitive property. A equals B, B equals C. Yeah, here, exactly. Here they have A equals C plus three. It doesn't make any sense. No, so, yeah, I'm not too good at math, but I can at least figure that out. And you could say, well, maybe it's a downgrade, huge overreaction from last week that the Giants look so bad. But you said the look ahead line was basically right in step with where it's at now. So it's just, I think the Packers are just being, you know, grossly overrated again. So. Which doesn't totally surprise me, and the crazy part is, if anywhere, it's going to probably be getting bet up by the public on a primetime game like this because they love they love them some Packers. So it's just a matter of if if the sharps come in and and hammer the the Giants, taking them back or not. But as bad as the Giants looked against the Vikings defense, I mean, the Vikings defense did the same thing to Aaron Rodgers. So why are you really going to downgrade yeah. the Giants that much more than the Packers? Yeah, well, it's the same thing with and Cam Elliott. doesn't look like Cam or the, the Panthers haven't. I mean, maybe that's just a, a caveat. But, yeah, the, the Rodgers and Cam and then Eli, they pretty much all they have the same expression on their face. They're like, I can't do anything here. Just this defense is just so, you know, sound and solid. And it's like they're just stuck. They can't figure anything out. And, and then Rodgers, and sure enough, the next week they go and put up, I don't know how many points at halftime, 28 points or whatever it was against Detroit. And they you know look like they're oh good old Rogers again. So it's like I wouldn't be super shocked if you know Manny has at least somewhat of mildly success like that from coming up against a pretty weak Packers defense. Yeah, and then if you look at the Giants this year, they win by one against the Cowboys, who turns out to be a pretty good win at the Cowboys. Win by three against the Saints. They lose by two to the Redskins, and then they lost by fourteen last night to the Vikings. And 
I don't think they could look much worse than they did, and they only lost by 14. So even if they come out in this game, you're still talking about having to drive at the end of the game to get a backdoor cover, and all the other games have been super close. So, I mean, even in a, a decent effort from the Giants, sure seems like they could cover the seven and a half. Like that just, it just seems like it's about two to three points too high for me. And uh, yeah, through a key number. Yeah, exactly. Through through seven, through six, it's just just out of line in my opinion. And you got yeah, the Packers are coming off a bye. They play way better at home. So I mean, those are the pluses for the Packers in the situation. But even like when the Packers blew out the Lions a couple weeks ago, or, or were blowing them out. Even the Lions with Stafford, who I would say isn't good at a passing game as Eli and, and the Giants, they still came back and ended up losing by seven. So, and they, and the Green Bay absolutely dominated that game. So, even in a situation like that, the back door still might be open. And then if the, the Giants do play well or Green Bay doesn't play good, then you're for sure covering. So for me, it's just absolutely the Giants are a good bet here. Yeah. Well, even like you said, the fact that the Giants, basically saying the Giants and Detroit are the same, it's just uh, obviously Detroit's been downgraded here the last couple of weeks. But I think even at that time when the Detroit and Green Bay played, I think it was I, I would definitely say the Giants were a good point or two better than the, the Detroit. At least I would think so. So yeah, it just doesn't really make a lot of sense, like you said, and probably be a game here. I'm going to be on Giants uh, uh, before before kickoff. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that the over under at 48, I could potentially see. You get a little bit of value on the over here, because like the public likes to overreact to, you know, what they saw last last week. And I know there's not a whole lot of public action coming in so far, but I think the markets do a little bit on some level as well. And uh, the fact that it's only at 48, just because the Giants' offense was so inept against the Vikings, but now you go against a Green Bay defense who's playing pretty decent, but definitely not anywhere near the Vikings' defense. And the Giants' offense isn't that bad. So if they come out and score some points, we know Green Bay is going to put up some points. So if the Giants can just somewhat stay with them, I think this game could could get past 48 fairly easily and uh, might be worthy of a, a little bit as well. So I think you're getting a, a lot of extra value on the, the Giants and maybe a little bit of extra value on the over, in my opinion. I guess the one thing we should uh, say to be fair and contrary to what the Giants' side is, you know, Green Bay is coming off a bye, and they're – one of the best teams. Oh, you did. Okay, I didn't hear that. But uh, just some stats to back that up. Since 2003, coming off a bye, Green Bay's 12 and four uh, ATS uh, against the spread. So that's uh, pretty, pretty good. Pretty, you know, like I said, one of the best in the and in, in, in the whole in the whole league. So that is one negative point, uh, but it's still that's a lot of points uh, being said with that. So. Yep. Okay. Then uh, the last game we got here is. Tampa Bay, Carolina on Monday night, and it looks like with uh, Cam's status in question, there's uh, numbers aren't really hardly up anywhere, but I guess five and a half on this one, not knowing the status of Cam. Yeah, and I had said I had a, my guess is Ca- uh, Cam, Carolina, sorry, with Cam, uh, minus five and a half as well. Uh, my power range is Carolina minus four and a half, and there's no line, and there's still no line, uh, but the look ahead was Carolina minus seven, so that's pretty uh, interesting to me that just shows you I, I do see a six I guess but uh, I, from what we think it should be I think it's definitely a little bit of a downgrade for Carolina and I'm assuming that that's what the markets are going to eventually have to because they just don't quite look uh, like the powerhouse they were last year 
Yeah, and then I've backed Tampa the last couple weeks begrudgingly, and they've just been a complete disappointment. I've uh, just been really disappointed in their play, so I don't know what to – not really enthusiastic about them at all in Carolina. I don't know what to make of it at this point. So it's a pretty easy stay away from me and just wait and see and and uh, tell you get a little bit better judge of if Carolina actually isn't that good or not and if Tampa has any fight of it in them or if they're just a complete bottom feeder. So this is a stay away from me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe maybe look at the total of you can maybe get something in the forty five forty six range. I don't know if it would come that high, but if it would, uh, there's really no total out at all that I can see. So if it did come, I'm just coming off the hip here. But if I get something in that range, I might look towards an under. Yeah, I can see that. So, all right, well that's uh, the totality of the games for the week. So now let's. Head over to the concept corner and look at some uh, betting terms. Now, clear your head as we back into concept corner. All right. So the first uh, first term I want to talk about, I referenced it earlier, just to, to go over it a little bit more, is a teaser, which can be a beneficial tool for bettors. It essentially, instead of just betting one one game individually, you bet two separate games or a side in a total, but you get on a standard, you get six extra points to your side. So for instance, you know, the one I referenced earlier was the Vikings uh, minus six. Normally you can tease them down to a pick, but then you have to also add in another team or another total into that. So say you look at Pittsburgh and you like Pittsburgh minus seven against the Jets well, you can tease them down to minus one. So then instead of just having one single bet, you have the Vikings at a pick em against Houston, and you have the Pittsburgh minus one against the Jets. And if either one of those two lose, you lose your bet. So that's the downside is you have to have two outcomes go your way. But you also get those extra six points on both bets. So all I have to do is, in that instance, is basically just win the game straight up, and then you end up winning your teaser. So that's something potentially uh, you can look at in certain situations that uh, can be profitable and some uh, normally a lot of books offer them at minus 110 which is the standard juice you got to lay 110 to win 100 but some books they charge minus 120 or minus 130 even and uh, or they don't offer them all together so when books either raise the juice like that or don't offer them it's usually because they're getting beat on them so it can potentially be a profitable um investment tool to use in, in certain situations just keep that in mind yeah so um that's another term we use a lot is value um it's kind of you know pretty elementary but you want to make sure everyone's on the same page but all it really essentially means is just getting the best possible odds on a wagering proposition so you just want to get the, most, the biggest edge you can as possible so it, it all comes back to getting the best number essentially what it is and you know try to find it at the peak and and you know buy low sell high type of thing so just get the most value out of something and try to you know not look at the team specifically but more the number and you know and also if it, if it works with the team and everything else so uh, yeah um another another term would be uh steam which i think we refer to on the podcast you know sporadically here and there and um usually it, it um most often either occurs fairly close to open or fairly close to close on a number when a number is just rapidly moving and there's a lot of steam means there's just a lot of um, 
a betting support for it, and it's usually by a couple of large groups or or syndicates that are moving a lot of money, and they'll be betting simultaneously at a lot of different sports books all on the same side. So the number will be rapidly moving in one direction, and if it if you do see that happening, it means there's a you know a steam play or a steam alert of that number is not going to be available for much longer. So if you do like that side. You want to try to get down on that number as quickly as possible before it's completely gone and before it completely just disappears and, uh, into the steam. Yeah, and then to go with that, too, that uh, doesn't always have to be just from, you know, big people. It could also be from, like, an injury or something like that, too, where they get steamed or it's kind of just more of an obvious move. But um, it could a lot of the times it's just from a lot of money moving it. Uh, doesn't, you know, the reasons can differ, differ too. Yep, and then uh, one further thing on that is um, – if a, if one sports book sees another sports book moving due to a steam play or a large bet or, or whatever, um, they might move their line to reflect that other sports book, and that's what they have to call moving on air. So they didn't normally a, a sports book will only move their number if they're getting you know large wagers or, or wagers from people they respect, and they'll move uh, lines you know point a half point or a point or whatever. But sometimes if they look at another book and they see that book's moving, instead of taking the large bet themselves, coming in later and then moving the number, they'll just move on air to reflect the where the market's moving. And uh, sometimes that can potentially get them in trouble if they move on air, and uh, which goes into our next term, which is uh, a fake move. you want to explain that, Rob? Or? Yeah, so a fake or false move is... Um, a lot of times, big betting syndicates or, or, or people with lots of money, they'll basically set up a line where they'll make it look like there's you know money going to be coming in on one side just so they can move it and then bet a lot more money coming back on the other way. Uh, just basically set up the book to, to take advantage of the line. Um, so, yeah, that would be a false move is when they try to do something like that, and it's really not a reflection of real mo- of you know money where they're going to actually be on by game time. It's you know, all just a setup for their own benef- you know, benefit. So, like, for instance, this week, um, you said, what, Philly, what did Philly open at Detroit? Like, pick or minus one, somewhere in there? Minus one, yeah. So, say it's Philly. all the way up to minus two, Detroit, two and a half. Yeah, so say Philly minus to open, or open minus one, you could have had a group come in there and max bet somewhere, you know, for, say, 10,000 or whatever the opening limits are towards Philadelphia. And then they move, you know, the books move a point or so towards Philly minus two. And then you get some other people that follow that thinking that, oh, there's, you know, a strong opinion on Philadelphia. So then the, the books end up moving it up to three. What they're really doing is setting it up to come back and bet 100000 on Detroit plus three, and that's their true position on the game. But they'll send out a false move right away to get the books to move. And then some books might even be moving on air where they didn't get any bets, but they're just following the market because they think that's where the number's going to be going. And then the the group or the person will come back and then bet the other side, you know, way harder coming back. Yeah. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, although it's kind of hard, you know, something you have to have a lot of experience and knowledge and, and as a whole to be able to see stuff like that or kind of sniff those out. Um, but it's just something to keep in the back of your head. Um, and another basic term, I guess, is that most people should know, uh, just ATS, which just stands for against the spread. Uh, all that means is Talk about a point spread of a game, so I guess I'm pretty sure everybody knows what against the spread is, but just you know, ATS. If we ever say that, just keep in mind that's what that's what we're referring to. Yep. Um, and then along with another term we've used from time to time that we're not sure if everyone 
knows but is fairly basic and easy to understand too is a hook. It uh, refers to a half point. So if you say if a team is minus three and a half and says it'll say they're you know minus three in the hook, which uh, refers to that extra half point. So that's as we've explained with value and getting the best of the number that that hook can be very important and uh, was termed that because you know it uh, it can hook you the hook you the wrong way if uh, if you don't have it or it can uh, you know save you if you do have that extra half point. So the the hook can be pretty important. Yeah, and then uh, just a few. Quick ones here, uh, a lock, which is just basically an easy winner. Uh, lock, a lot of people are handicappers to try to sell their picks, and also called touts, so they're basically just trying to sell their picks to make money. Um, they'll say, you know, lock of the week, you know, lock of the century, blah, 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 and, you know, big advertising is just try to sell their picks. So all that really means is, oh, they're, they're going to win, which you really shouldn't believe, you know, nothing's a lock, really, in this in this, in this this industry. Uh, and to go along with that, a dime just simply refers to betting $1,000 on a game or, you know, depositing a dime of $1,000 somewhere. Um and then a dime line, which is just a, a line uh, commonly seen in baseball, uh, 10 cent juice, so you get minus 105 on each end. Uh, you see that, see that in some reduced juice books uh, offshore and stuff, but most times, uh, outside of baseball, most times Vegas books will be minus 10 on each side, which would be 20 cent uh, juice there. All right. Yeah, just a couple more quick ones here. Um, we talked about this before, too, as well, but uh, sharp square divide is a game where you have the public's all over one side, the, the squares. They're betting one side really heavily, and then the other side is the sharp bettors are on the other side very heavily. So an example of this last week would have been the uh, Denver at Tampa game. The public was betting Denver a lot, and the, the sharp players were betting Tampa a lot. And in that instance, the public ended up winning on Denver. But there's a lot of games usually at least a handful, maybe three or four a week at at least, where there's a pretty sharp divide in uh, where the public and where the sharps are betting. And just because the a side is, you know, quote-unquote sharper or there's a lot of smarter players on the uh, sharper side doesn't necessarily mean, obviously, it's going to win. It uh, just means that I'd say more often than not, it's probably going to win in terms of, you know, like 55 45%. So even if you like a side that's, quote-unquote a square side you still shouldn't shy away from making the bet if you feel strongly about it just know that you don't want to be doing that consistently every week because you know you're, you're kind of up against it um yeah and then uh, a few quick ones here regarding to the uh the, the book in general uh just the juice which we referenced a lot which is you know, minus 110 each way that's the juice the which basically what the commission that the bookie earns uh is, you know the, the sports book whatever that's the money that they take the uh, they, they, that they could make from each bet, uh, from you know betting each side. Uh, it's also called the vig. Um, and then to go along with that, they also they, a lot of the time say you know how how much exposure they have on a certain game. If you're in the back office, that's what they'd be saying. All that really means is you know how much money they have. Um, if they if the worst case you know scenario, worst outcome you know, on one side, how much they're going to lose. And a lot of times that amounts to them rooting for one team or the other. A lot of the times, you know, the not very public attractive teams that are underdogs at home or whatever, you know, something like that. Uh, then also to go along with that is handle, which is just, you know, the total amount of money bet on a, on a specific game. So, And a lot of times, to piggyback on that, they'll try to limit their exposure as much as possible. So if they have, um, say, a bunch of uh, futures, like to win the Super Bowl on a certain team, and they're going to have to be paying out a bunch, they'll probably shade the line towards that team to try to draw some action on the other side. 
So that way they'll limit their exposure. So if the worst case scenario happens, the books aren't going to lose as, you know, they're going to try to minimize their losses in cases where they do lose. But, uh, a couple more I want to get to here quick are, uh, buyback. So if a line goes up, say, um, last week, what was a good instance of some buyback? Um, can't even think of it off the top of my head. The Giants is a good example. Oh, yeah, so. Uh, yeah, can you continue with that? Yeah, so the Giants, uh, basically at the early in the week, the Vikings opened at about four, uh, and then it got bet up to about uh, maybe three and a half, and it got bet up to four, four and a half, and I sat up to five, and there was maybe like a low, you know, a rogue five and a half somewhere. Uh, and then that was about Friday afternoon. That's when I released my Giants play when I got it at five and released it at four and a half, and then by game time it got bought back all the way down to about three and a half or maybe four. So all that means is you know, it moves one way, and then it got, gets by, you know, bought back the other way. But most of the time, it's going to be by, um, you know, sharps or, or betting syndicates that are uh, like the opposite side of what the public's betting. Okay, and then uh, so another one would be a middle. So if you have a bet for the game, say this week you have uh, Cleveland plus ten, and and at halftime, um, say the Cleveland's actually up by three. For the second half, there's a second half line. For all the games, say for the second half you have New England minus say ten again, then since Cleveland was up three, that means if if even if New England wins the second half by ten, Cleveland would still lose the game by seven outright. But if you have Cleveland at plus ten for the game, you could bet the New England for the second half, and there's still a middle called a middle window there where you could potentially, if Cleveland ended up losing the game by eight. You could win your second half bet of New England minus 10 because they won the second half by 11. And you could also win your game bet on Cleveland plus 10. So a middle window is a potential chance where you could win multiple bets on the same game. And the downside of that is if you bet coming back and then Cleveland ends up winning the game, say, you know, outright, then you'll lose your second half New England bet and you'll end up breaking even on the game when you could have just kept and won your Cleveland bet. So there's a downside to middling, but there's also a potential with basically no risk where you can win both sides. Um, um, kind of a, a sister bet to that would be a hedge. So if, say, you have a parlay or some larger bet where you're going to get a return of, say, $1,000 if one team wins, you can hedge your bet and bet the opposite side for whatever amount you want to lock in a profit there. And you're giving away potential winnings if the one side you're on wins, but you're also um, limiting your potential losses if the other side wins. So you can also lock in a profit that way. And then really quick, uh, just chalk. Uh, that's just about a fa- basically means a favorite team. If you're laying the wood, um, just you know a favorite like someone like Green Bay this week laying five, seven, you know that's laying chalk. Uh, then uh, also we've already said it in uh, our, it was our first uh, concept corner, but it was just a key number, uh, you know, three, seven, six, four. Those, you know, those are just key numbers. Whenever we refer to that, all that means is you know, the, the, a move from two and a half to three and a half way more significant than you know, four to six and a half. So. Okay, and then uh, yeah, uh, no action or push is if a way to say a team's a seven point favorite and it ends on seven. And you just say it's a push, or if the game gets canceled, like the Tampa Denver game last week, there is a lightning weather delay. And if the game doesn't go 55 minutes in football, 
and gets canceled, then there's no action, so everyone gets their money back. Nothing, no, uh, no result on the game. Or if uh, somebody gets hurt, like this week with Cam Newton's status, they might take the game off the board, which means they're just not offering wagers on it at the time. Well, yeah, I think we covered covered them. Pretty much most of the key terms we use uh, that some some listeners may be confused about. So hopefully that cleared it up a little bit at least. Yeah, and uh, if there's any more, which I'm sure there is, we couldn't get them all here. But if uh, going forward, if we uh, mention some more that weren't part of this deal, we'll try to explain them to clarify any questions people might have going forward. So now let's uh, wrap up the podcast here with uh, AS Pick of the Week from me and Rob. The AS Pick of the Week. So, Rob, what uh, where are you looking here for your AS Pick of the Week? You're uh, moved to 2-0 and off that Cleveland-Washington over last week for the year. What uh, Where are you going this week? Yeah, um, you're gonna let me get, give me the honors this week. Are we gonna go back and forth, or how are we gonna how are we gonna work it? Yeah, you, know, you got the T. You're up. You got the two and zero record. Yeah, I got the T. I, I have a couple coming off a couple birdies here, so hopefully I uh, don't don't bogey going into the third. But um, yeah, uh, I think I'm gonna go to an exciting game here. I already released it as a play, so maybe not a huge shocker, but gonna be a a real real one to real one to watch on Sunday Sunday morning or afternoon in your case but I'm gonna do Tennessee minus three and a half uh land just plus, one ten. plus three and a half or plus three sorry plus three and a half minus one ten is what I was looking at so yeah t- Tennessee plus three and a half yeah <laughs> exactly yeah, if you wanna you wanna sell some points there you can sell about seven points and get some good juice so okay so your pick of the week is Tennessee plus three and a half um Mine, I think I've already kind of alluded to it and uh, ranted there for a little bit about it, but I'm going to take Chicago. Uh, plus five is still pretty available, so I'll grade it at plus five. And uh, I won mine last week with the Raiders getting three and a half against Baltimore, so I'm one and one on the season, so I'm a game back of you. But uh, So, yeah, yours is Tennessee plus three and a half, and I got Chicago plus five. And uh, you can check out. Any plays release at uh, aronesports.com. You can yeah, and I want to and I want to yeah comment real quick before we end it. Yeah. Um, I had I had one listener call in and not call in but talking to him on the phone basically said um, you know is all oh, these picks you know more valuable than the picks they release and it's like no this really is just more of a fun fun game type of thing that we put in at the end. Um, I really, the, you know, if if we were pretty much anything we say here we're going to release so it's kind of just but don't think like oh this is a you know I'm going to bet two times as much on some play like this. It's more just, you know, one game. If we had a gun to our head picking one game on this card, you know, which game would it be is pretty much what it is. So don't, it's not like we're saying, you know, one game lock of the week or anything along those lines. And hopefully we don't have a gun to our head making us pick one game a week or something went horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, so this, and it, our full releases of uh, the plays that are going to be graded on and, you know, feel the most confidently on will be released at aronesports.com. We have a tab for uh, for both of us, and you can see our plays for the week or input your own plays and create an account and keep track of your own uh, bets and profitability. So that's uh, free and uh, easy to sign up. So go do that, and uh, you know, good luck in uh, all your wagers here on week five, and good luck to you, Rob, and good luck to the listeners out there. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for hopping on the pod or having me on the pod here again. It's been a uh... Always great talking about football and 
Yeah, if you're listening out there in the listener land, go on doerownsports.com on the podcast page, and if you don't have an account, create one, 10 seconds, and you know, subscribe to it, and I've made a program there, so as soon as I release the podcast, you'll just get an email right in your inbox, so you can click the link and start listening, or likewise, you know, on Google Play or uh, Stitcher Radio or iTunes, just subscribe and uh, make it nice and easy for you. Don't put too much work and effort to try to listen to it, so. All right, well, everyone have a wonderful week, and best of luck in week five. Thank you for listening to the Arone Sports Podcast. Check out aronesports.com for all of your sports betting needs, including automatic bet tracking, mobile notifications, free picks, and more.